Welcome back to another Serial Killer Radio Hour. As always, I'm your host, Maddie Limerick, and today I have one of my favorite TikTokers. I think that's pretty much what Serial Killer Radio Hour is becoming. It's just where I bring my favorite TikTokers on to chat. Uh, they are a delight. They are a vision. You often see them kicking into a bathroom before you get their hot take. I have Jolie with me today. Joe, welcome to the show. Hi, happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad that... Anytime someone talks about me, they're like, he kicks into places. And I'm like, yeah. Well, that I don't is know all- why it's my brand, but it's become it. Listen, I always know it's your video before it starts because it's it's always a little blurry and then it whooshes in in a very dramatic way as it should. Um, and then it's always a hot take that 99% of the time I go, yes, at least someone's saying it. So, I mean, you're doing the gay lord's work, which is all yeah. that matters at the end of the day. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that's... If anyone at home has had the disadvantage to not see your content, tell us a little bit about who you are and why you create the way you do on uh, like TikTok and your social media platforms. Okay, uh, so I am mostly on TikTok right now uh, at Joe Lee Green Giant because it's the dumbest pun you can make with my name. But it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. But it's I I love how dumb it is. Um, and I. Uh, started out mostly doing like drag race content. I think the first video of mine that like went really viral was uh, like my predictions for season 13, which were mostly just jokes about fracking. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of, I film in my bathroom cause it has the best lighting and I like to dramatically sway into the bathroom. Cause yeah, I like, uh, I think it's good to know exactly that it's my video before it starts so that people can be like, Oh, yes, this, or no. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) How do the gays keep getting on my For You page? And it's like, well, it populates what you watch. So every time you watch... Sean (laughs) Mendes specifically, or... Oh, maybe. Or any of those guys, even any of the evangelical guys that are like super gay-hating, but then they're like, oh, you know, are, are we eating out with the homies or are we eating out the homies? And it's like, man, you only make that kind of content if you're like secretly debasing yourself behind the 7-Eleven with the homies. So like debase yourself at home. It's fine. Um, We're here to support you. Um, (laughs) So my first question for you before we kick in, um, I was just watching back through some of your videos and there was a very like politically charged moving one for me that I think just like is where I want to start our conversation. Um, And it's, you know, you stated that as every person that was like watching anime in the late 90s, early 2000s had a sexual awakening and it was either Dark Magician or Anjuman. Where do you stand on that? (laughs) uh, Dark Magician or Anjuman? Um, I, I'm just, I, I'm firmly in the middle of both of them. Uh, I, so I think for me, it was probably uh, uh, Anjuman or Anjuman, which Mostly in specifically the Digimon movie where he evolves into the mega form. Oh, yeah. Before, like, yeah. Oh, the, yeah. like, super hot one. And then, for some reason, Andrew Woman's like, and I'm a dragon now. And I'm like, great. Love both of these. Um, like, that, that moment has resonated in my, like, brain since I was, like, nine years old. I used to watch that movie all the time including the Angela Anaconda. You have to, it's it's part of the experience. Yeah, and I did watch that show and it was 
better than that than the movie makes it look. Um, but I was also a huge only the original series of Yu-Gi-Oh fan, so I watched many a dark magician. But he just didn't have the personality, you know. No, he's yeah. like dark and brooding, but like you know, <laughs> as someone who was also a small child watching it, I was like. Yes, this is a large man who will take care of me. The angel man, yeah, the angel man who will come to save me. Like he's carrying TK, he will carry me. Um, yes. Though I will posit there was a third option that you forgot, and it's Leoman for that other crowd of folks. Every uh, single person <laughs> was very mad at me for not remembering Leoman. And I was like, I'm sorry. Um, Honestly, majority of my Digimon watching was the movie because I uh, my parents bought all the Pokemon VHSs and they were like, we are not also spending money on Digimon VHSs. Mm-hmm. And Digimon was never available. This was before yeah. streaming. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of had to hope. This was back in the day when I used to wake up at 5 a.m. to watch Reboot, a single episode of Reboot on Cartoon Network before going back to bed. Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. It was the Wild West days. So I didn't watch a lot of Digimon. Mm-hmm. I didn't really... So Leomon never really connected to me as a child. I'm also not a furry. No offense to furries. But I think if you're if Leomon was your sexual awakening, you're Maybe. probably also a furry. Most Maybe. people who said that were like, you forgot about furries. And I'm like, I didn't. I just don't relate to you. I just don't relate to them. Absolutely. Even though I live Same with some, is- I do not relate with them. <laughs> no, never. Uh, I would never relate to them. No, uh, it's the same thing as like, I made my Sprigatito video about like not standing up and growing tits. Yes. Um, and people were like, so afraid of furries. I'm like, I'm not afraid of furries. I just don't cater to you but i think the the gag of the season is going to be when caxley's the set quaxley turns into the sexy one like everyone's oh, favorite gay yes. duck is going to be like the swarthy explorer and i'm going to be like really <laughs> oh well we all know that's happening especially if he ends up being like water steel type or water fighting like as yeah. his third uh which would be fun either way i think super fun uh but yeah i feel like he's gonna be like one of the giant muscly guys from ducktales at the end of the day oh. I, I he's gonna be one of those guys who's a really gay child and a really homophobic adult yes yes absolutely but somehow Sprigatito is still his best friend um yeah you know <laughs> uh, that's because Sprigatito knows where to get the good weed um I mean, Weed Kitty, it is true. It is, uh, I, I love that it is already digressed into the uh, uh, Scarlet Envy and Violet Tchotchke of the new Pokemon world, uh, <laughs> which we only have the starters as of yet. Um, what are you, what are you hoping for the, the kind of cross or, or um, multi, um, multi-typing for their, their third evolutions? I know that's a big conversation in everybody's mind right now. Um, so I think we're going to get Fire Ghost. Um, I hope so. I really which, hope so. So the only thing that I think would stop it is that Typhlosion was literally just Fire Ghost. Yep. Um, and, um, which makes me go, ooh, but also makes me go, are we just going to get those three typings as new typings? Because, like, could happen. I think Sprigaticho, based on eyes, I do think we're going to get a grass fairy um, i'm hoping i'm hoping i'm hoping yeah um which like i'm always into fairy types my fa- my round son is togepi so mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. into fairy types very excited for that um and then i do think i think quaxley is going to be i think it's going to be uh fighting and not steel because i think mm. that steel 
has a less interesting anything or if it is steel it's going to be like he's gonna get one special move that'll be like sword related um it'll be like a don quixote type yeah um i wanted to be a pirate i i wanted him to be fighting and i want to just look i want him to be a pirate and his hat his like bottom turns into like the ship i think would be cool so fun that would Um, be great but every time i say that to people they think i'm very weird i'm like i just want big boats yeah, I, I mean it's down. one of it's one of those things where like the joke has always been that like Pokemon kind of makes sense, and then you have Digimon that's like, oh, let's just throw machine guns on a dire- uh, a dinosaur and call it a day. But it's like, no, we can have a little bit of both. We live in a world where there's sentient trash bags everywhere and sentient vanilla ice cream cones. So why can't a duck wear a boat? Like honestly, yeah. these are the same people that are on board with anything Disney does. So it's like, come on, people. Come on, you you can be up for some unusual choices, uh, and it, I mean, and Blastoise gets a cannon. I do like right. that Blastoise gets a cannon, and no one else evolves technology. Right, right. Well, and then he gets a bigger cannon when he mega evolves. Like they leaned into it for mega evolution. Yeah, I can't wait for him to show up in like a Legends game, and he instead of having a cannon, he just has a catapult. Yeah, um, which would be very useless. Like flinging water with a catapult would not be effective, no. but it would be very funny. It would be very, very funny. Oh my God. <laughs> so you brought up that like your parents bought you VHS as a kid. And that's kind of how you took in a lot of that media. And it was also like Digimon, uh, like looking around, I've been kind of reclaiming a lot of like gen one Digimon, gen two Digimon merchandise. Cause it is very expensive. It has held its value. Who would have thought? Um, but there weren't that many VHSs that were made uh, outside of the movie and the movie being so different than the TV show. What were some other media that you like really consumed and really kind of imprinted on you as a child? Um, I mean, so uh, big ones for me as a kid, I was a big like video game player mm-hmm. as a kid, but specifically like collect-a-thon platformers. Like Banjo-Kazooie was a major thing for me which I think eventually led to my love of like Psychonauts, which Mm -hmm. lived as my favorite game of all time until Psychonauts 2 finally came out and uh, eradicated that by making me ugly cry for at least 20 minutes. Um, uh, So like kind of those collect-a-thon video games. I also was really big into, as I mentioned, the show Reboot, a show I think I'm the only person who remembers, uh, which was a an 80s CGI cartoon that was the ugliest thing in the world where people would go inside uh, inside of a video game. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, some major things. I watched basically everything on Toonami. I was, mm-hmm. like, I was aggressively a DBZ kid who would sneak, uh, who would, like, close the door and turn the lights off. You know, like, when you're first watching porn and you, like, have to hide it as much as possible? That's what I did for Sailor Moon. Of course. When I, like, hit just the age where I knew it was shameful, but I had to do it anyway. Uh, It was a similar age where, like, I started justifying playing Princess Peach and Mario Kart because it was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, is it just like super silly to play as Princess Peach? And I was like, no. And I'm like, ha, it's a funny joke. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, every game, like every like gay adult gamer has like defined their love of like uh, Pokemon, like Togepi and Jigglypuff and Princess Peach and those things as like our personality <laughs> identifier. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I played that terrible Princess Peach platformer on the DS where her emotions were linked to powers 
and it was not good, but I did it so that I, as your as your gay ancestor, someone had to do it. You know? Someone had to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and A we only <laughs> no, you're good. Okay, sorry. No, I was about to say when we only got like fabulous divas like Rosalia in the game because you know so many people huffed at his peach and said we need more divas because Daisy's yeah. not cutting it. Um, no, Daisy, <laughs> she has brown hair. It's you know, it's, it's just not like fun. Yeah, she she's she's the Velma of the group, and like that's she's the sporty Velma. Like mm-hmm. someone tried to explain that she's the tomboy, and I'm like interesting decision it's I mean, just because you only see her in sports games exactly but like, she traditionally wears a gown like honestly like she is a gown yeah. she's a gorgeous gorgeous girl in a gorgeous gorgeous gown but yeah. it's every time i think about peach and daisy i really think about alaska and willem every time willem gives alaska a hard time for wearing brown hair um <laughs> which just just makes me cackle um but no i would say there's a fair enough like reboot fan base online because they made a live action netflix series that was terrible um that was like a continuation i did not watch it but i remember i remember back when i didn't have cable but i had a friend who every two weeks she would bring me a vhs and i had two weeks worth of uh the the tsunami block of sailor moon dbz and reboot would all be on there together and i would watch through every two weeks and that's the only way i got them because i'm uh, from even Angelical parents so my mother would be like it's the devil those women in the short skirts are leading you to the devil and I was like no I think they're just leading me to drag as a love honestly <laughs> probably but more importantly wait was there a was there a live action terrible reboot of reboot of reboot it's on Netflix it came out probably what? five years five years ago uh I yeah have- if you go on Netflix and search reboot you will find it Live action Netflix uh, adaptations have ne- done nothing but bring me pain. I have no, I, I think I'm the only person in the world that is in no way excited for the Avatar reboot. And it's mostly just because I am the target demographic for a Winx Club reboot. And Fate the Winx Saga is still one of the worst things Netflix has ever produced. Oh, well, honestly, because like if they wanted to do that, they should have gone to Disney and done Witch and not done Winx that way. Because like... <laughs> well, it's just like, which is which was always a little grittier than Winx Club, and I want something vibrant and fun and fantastic. If we're getting Winx Club, like I loved Winx Club, but like I I want it to be vibrant. I like the designs were why you went to Winx Club. It was like it was yeah. that next step. It was beautiful, but yeah, uh, no. Go ahead, go ahead. No, my favorite was uh, when the director was like, "Well, we couldn't put them in." fun, flashy, colorful, short outfits because we wanted to feature different body types. And everyone was like, why can't you feature different body types in fun, flashy, colorful outfits that are a little too short? And he was like, never mind, next question. (laughs) He was like, I can see I'm being set up because I have a shitty opinion about something. It's like, I'm sorry, have we not? watch steven universe have we not uh read the jim the holograms comic reboot like are we not I mean, seeing like, how things are going <laughs> yeah it's one of those things where it's like i can i bet you can go online and find an incredible cosplayer of every body type and every he also was talking about wanting to highlight other ethnicities and it's like you didn't even 
The Winx Club animated show is more diverse than the show you made because it is pretty ethnically diverse. Absolutely. Especially, well, no, go ahead. Sorry, I, I keep coming I you off. Say, <laughs> I was going to say, especially for like a cartoon in the 2000s where it was ethnically diverse to have one brunette and one blonde. That went further and actually had skin tones. Like. Yep. Well, and it's it's also like when you are actively like not referencing your source material in any sort of way. It's it's kind of how I felt too when they made the the first Percy Jackson movie. I went, you have a great book here that you went. We don't need that. We're just going to throw it out. We've got Pierce Brosnan and Logan Lerman, who everyone's going to sexualize, even though he's sixteen. It's fine. Uh, that's all we need. And it's like no. You you literally adapt things because they're good and people love them. So when you don't adapt them properly, it's it's kind of like I'm happy we've never gotten a live action Western uh, Sailor Moon because I'm just like, I don't know anyone other than like a grown weeb that would do it proper. Like, I'm not sure that a stu- I could trust a studio to do a Western live action Sailor Moon. It's the same thing as like the One Piece thing has been announced. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. I want to be excited for that because I do have a very weird place in my heart for One Piece. As somebody who watched the four kids dub, which was genuinely awful. And then watched a lot of the like, and then watch like a couple seasons of the real dub as an adult. I'm like, this is like really good material, but it's at its best when it's kind of at its darkest. Oh yeah. Like how do you, it's the same thing as like the problem with an avatar TV show is always going to be, how do you show children having fire thrown at them? And the problem with the one piece TV show is how do you in episode like 10 show your female lead stabbing your wacky, a goofy side character and then dropping him in a pool of water to die. Like that is the best part of the entire first season of one piece. And it is so dark if it's not animated. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I feel like you can get a lot away with a lot more in animation because there's a suspension of disbelief that you, you just kind of can't get anywhere else. It's why Disney live action movies don't work Yep, because like there's a lot, it's a lot weirder to see, it's a lot weirder to see actual lions doing the Lion King. You can't you can't show the beast's emotions as easily if he's CGI. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and like Aladdin just doesn't work when you have to speed up all the choreography because nobody's a dancer or a singer that you cast. But whatever, it's fine. Well, I mean, I think all of Bollywood was busy. So that's why. It- oh, yes. Also, I went... Out of everyone who should be doing the Aladdin live action movie, let's go with Guy Ritchie, who does Scottish gangster films. Like, I mean, you have to. I mean, you have to remember, Disney fans need one person of color behind the scenes, and then the movie is not to be critiqued at all mm-hmm. by anyone ever. And also, every decision in the movie is valid. Uh, don't get me started on a lot of the discourse surrounding some of the recent. Disney movies, because uh, my opinions will get me canceled. It's a problem. Honestly, uh, I though, saw what happened to Lindsay Ellis talking about Ryan the Last Dragon. Okay, Lindsay has a lot of good things to say. She's also had some problematic things to say, and I just need people to own up to when they say problematic things. That's all my. That's that's all I gotta say. But, I mean, she made an, She didn't make the entire video owning up to her problematic things. The Ryan did. the Last Dragon thing was not. 
problematic. No, not at all. Like, no, but I mean, when you're, you know, it is one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's obviously the, the, the hero's journey story rehashed again, but I'm also not a, uh, so my podcast started as a Disney like dramaturgy podcast. And then halfway through last year, when I was like, I fucking hate Disney. I went, we're not doing that anymore (laughs) as someone who no longer works there and has zero investment in the company and would like to watch the whole magic kingdom burn. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, how how do you feel about uh, Disney being like, we're just not going to, we're not going to stop supporting the don't say gay politicians because we're not political. Uh, we're not a political company. Anyway, we will not let gay people be in our movie. Um, vote for Mitchell's versus the machines for best picture, please. I make a post about it on social media daily. Uh, I definitely know when I stopped making Disney content, no one follows me anymore because I do very intimate. I do very uh, like vehemently anti Disney content now. Uh, my my good friends who are also still Disney people are very annoyed with me. But like I, because the thing is, the company actually has a history of being so as the parks being so pro LGBT of our local people and like mm-hmm. they were the first to support um uh domestic partner benefits this is the first first to support and make sure that like hiv meds were covered by their health insurance policies but like that's a few people working from within inside the company and not the company itself and so like bob checkback being like oh no i can't believe we got caught i mean i can't believe we would support someone who would do this. We're stopping that and I was like actually it, uh the beautiful thing about living in Florida is all of like giving records and things above a certain amount are public record because of the sunshine law. So if you go back and look at every Disney exec, every Disney CEO, they always give to Republican candidates in Florida. If you notice, they stopped giving to DeSantis a few months ago because he is no longer in their pocket because they are at war over the cruise lines. And the one thing Disney is still trying to keep the cruise lines like COVID safe and DeSantis is so against it that like they are no longer in each other pocket so it's like of course you stopped giving to the these candidates months ago because they no longer served you as a tool you can hide behind this bill all you want and say that you've stopped giving because people are upset about it but you're also only upset because you got caught like that's it's one of those great like i could scream about this for hours and i hope the walkout that's supposed to happen this coming week actually happens of all the all the queer cast members i hope because the problem is with this bill they could all be fired in one fell swoop which sucks because of this bill that is the thing nobody's talking about is it's also a workplace bill not just a school bill but i really hope it happens and i hope every karen is inconvenienced and the company has to be uh forethoughtful and be like listen we did something really terrible so every gay or queer cast member walked out and that's that is why your vacation sucked because we had no one to run anything. So, uh, I mean, I, in fairness, Disney movies also have a very strict "don't say gay" policy. Of course, to they the point do. where, to the point where, uh, so my mom calls me anytime there's a, a gay character in any piece of media, anytime, no matter what the character is doing, no matter how prominent they are. If she can sense gay, uh, the next time I talk to her on the phone, she will tell me about it. And we, she told me about how she liked the Jungle Cruise and did not mention the gay character in it. And that was the one that everyone was like, that's the most explicit one. And I'm like, and it's still not very explicit. Like, like Disney will put gay characters in TV shows because TV shows don't go to foreign markets. Right. 
they just won't put gay characters in movies because movies have to play in China for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those like very weird things where it's like, also, I think there's a problem that like gays don't come out to support gay content. So mm-hmm. like, like there's a reason we haven't gotten a major uh, rom-com since Love, Simon. And the one we are getting was like, the, the two we are getting, uh, I think in the next year or two, uh, Fire Island and Bros, I think is mm-hmm. Billy Eichner's, are both like aggressively indie indie films that are being produced by huge gay stars. Mm-hmm. Because like gay people don't support gay content uh, unless it's perfect for only what their experience is. It's true. Uh, well, and like Fire Island has both non-white leads, like romantic leads. And so they're just like, yeah. oh no, are people going to not be attracted to Bowen? Oh no, what are we going to do? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> leave it, let it happen. Just like, yeah. <laughs> everyone's attracted to Bowen, it's fine. <laughs> At the same time, I remember Bowen Yang ranting about how Love, Simon was too white, being mm-hmm. like, there's, but, but I was like, Bowen, there's, three openly gay characters in that movie and two of them aren't white. Yeah. And like every single like romantic interest in the movie, uh, every queer character in the movie other than Simon himself, because Hollywood is like also a queer actor. Like this movie Mm -hmm. is, this movie is better than call me by your name. A movie where I, where I would call the, the fact that they're gay, a shocking horror movie twist in the middle like, if you're straight, you could watch most of that movie and be like, yep, yep, yep. And then they get to that and they'd be like, oh, God. Yep. We panned up to the sky and now they're kissing. They've <sighs> never spoken before and they've touched a single time. And it was a very broy touch. I, I, I was talking to uh, one of my gay friends who liked the movie who was like, no, that touch was so intimate. Like, you've never had a, you've never had a straight friend then. Because, like, the weird touch your shoulder, rub your back thing is just how straight guys say hello when they vaguely like a person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also funny because like, uh, because they came out near the same time, there was a lot of discourse between love, uh, love Simon and call me by your name. And so, um, you know, it's that thing where people were like, uh, Love, Simon was unrealistic because gay stories need to show sex because we have to, uh, like, uh, normalize gay sex for non-gay audiences. And I was like, we don't have to. It also would have been massively inappropriate in that story. Because in the book, Simon is a bumbling, like, gay virgin, and that's, like, part of his story. And it's kind of endearing about him in the book. And so I didn't mind it. In Also, because I was like we don't need to sexualize 16 year olds in every aspect of their lives. Like uh, Robert, uh, oh, oh, Roberto Aguilar, who does uh, like Sabrina and Riverdale. I was yeah. like, he does that enough for everybody uh, as it is. <laughs> I mean, euphoria, everything about euphoria. Sometimes I watch euphoria and I'm like, was I just very lame in high school? Also, why did we put a lip sync in the school play? You know it would be like the one the one bigger girl who didn't get cast who can sing would be singing I Need a Hero. Absolutely. Um, like, I'm like, it's a school play. Have you never... I, I'm convinced that the director, writer of Euphoria has never spoken to anyone under the age of 26, um, is homophobic, and has never seen a play in his life. I agree with you. I absolutely... Agree. 
Uh, I, a thousand percent. And I mean, also things that like, this is going to be a, a stretch of a connection. Speaking of like creators who I feel are just out of touch with their audience, Drag Race. I, we can't talk without talking Drag Race. <laughs> so bit. I just... So I think there are certain things about Drag Race that uh, people are giving it a lot of shit that it doesn't necessarily deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, the big one being people keep complaining about how long seasons are. I love like, it. <laughs> I'm like, the WWE has been consistently making content, I think every week for the last 400 years. Mm-hmm. Sports happen year round for the straights. If you don't like, if you want to take a break from drag race, take a break during an international season. Mm-hmm. I don't watch any of the non-English seasons because I find them to be a little bit too much work and I can't watch them with people. So it lo- lessens mm-hmm. my enjoyment. So I tend to just watch them as blocks occasionally when I feel like reading subtitles that are poorly translated. Because, um, like, the subtitlers for Drag Race can't understand what they say when they're speaking English. They're not going to understand what they're saying when speaking another language. Um, but I, I'm i like... So I think that's a big thing. I also think that people are really harsh about, like, double Shantae's. Um, like, people, people really hated last season's. And I agree. If there was one thing I could change about last season, it would be that Candy Muse would not have been given the double Shantae. It is that Candy Muse would have won the lip sync and Simone would have got the double Shantae. Because Candy Muse is better in that lip sync, and it would have been a better story if Simone then won the season from Candy. And if you could see the future, you'd mm-hmm. know that was the best move. Uh, and again... Simone is not very good in that lip sync. It's the one, no. t- it's that episode, you can tell she's in her head and she's really mm-hmm. stiff. And it's the one time Simone is bad ever. And it's the only time she'll ever be bad because she's a perfect mm-hmm. angel. Um, but like this season, people were like, the Jasmine, George's lip sync. I'm like, both of them were good. I would like, have I would have gone back to the ATM to get more dollars to tip both of them if this had been at yeah. a bar. Like, frankly. It, it was it's one of those things where like George's George's is a uh, it's really cool because Jasmine is a great stunter and she Mm -hmm. knows when to use them George's is one of the best dancers to ever be on the show Mm -hmm. it very much feels like Coco v Alyssa like Mm -hmm. because Coco's a better dancer than Alyssa but Alyssa can do more um, and like has more theatrics and I think that lip sync was a great example of it because I did think that George's was winning until the split Mm -hmm. and that split was that split is the only moment of that lip sync that I vividly know exactly what happened. Um, and I know what part of the song it happened in. And I'm like, yeah. It also, was like- also with this season, you've got someone like Diabetti who is a wonderful talking head. She is self-producing as the villain in such a great way. I don't believe like- she's self-producing. I don't think she knows the cameras are rolling. I will go to my grave on that. Diabetti is the least self-aware person to be on Drag Race in a decade, and I am living for it. I mean, I think I w- she's literally the least self-aware person to be on Drag Race since Fifi O'Hara. Oh, I, okay, like, I will absolutely give you that. I will give you that so 100%. Good. But it's like, well, it's because sometimes I think, you know, it's one of those things. It was like one of the one of the original two seasons of Next Top Model. I've been listening to Shea Coulee's uh, Wanna Be On Top podcast. Um and even though I never watched most of the seasons of the Next Top Model, Shay and the guests uh, are just are so interesting. Cycles, just so you know, uh, uh, it's cycles. I am aware uh, there's cycles because we I'm do like, multiple I, ones in a year. <laughs> I'm like, I've done so many. Uh, ANTM was, is, is like the reality show that got me into reality TV. 
Oh, I love that. I mean, I think that's that way for a lot of people. I mean, my first season was the Carrie D English season, which was a yeah. great season of the next top model, a great cycle of next top model. Um, Melrose I mean, is a great example of someone who had no idea the cameras were rolling. No idea. But yeah, so it's like early on in next top model, one of the girls would just come back and when they had them do the confessionals, let it go. And so I think Diabetti a lot of times is forgetting that this is going to have to air and they're going to air it. Uh, but like she's leaning in and I really think that's a reason. I mean, other than Jasmine being a phenomenal like lip syncer, she is a great talking head. Um, she's a polarizing person to have on the show because fans either love her or hate her, but that's why they keep people on the show. Yeah. And it's like every time Daya says, oh, well, Jasmine and Gorgeous are still here. Gorgeous are still here. The producers are like, all right, they're keeping me kept for another episode, then girl. One more. <laughs> like, Betty being like, that lip sync wasn't great. You should, that shouldn't have been double Shantae. I'm like, Betty, you lost a lip sync and then it wasn't a Shantae. Like, you had to sashay away, but then they kept you. You are the product of a double Shantae. And then you lost yeah. another lip sync. Yeah. Like, like, like yeah. Betty is. Diabetti is doing Trixie Mattel numbers on this season and she's somehow still here when it comes to lip syncs. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's well, and it's so interesting because also like, well, yes, I see the connection to Crystal Method. I'm just like, Crystal was also much more likable and did much better on her season. So <laughs> I actually um, wouldn't say that Crystal did better. Because I don't okay. think I think Crystal had a great story. I think that Crystal, the reason Crystal's so good on her season is that she's the only person on that season whose arc was left intact. Uh, um, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone else kind of, like, Gigi doesn't have a storyline anymore because she was supposed to be the villain to Sherry. Mm -hmm. um, Jackie, I think, was supposed to be friends with Sherry. And I, Jada, Jada and Sherry get set up in the first, in their first episode as, like, being opposite sides of a mm -hmm. coin. Sherry was such a part of that season that her being extricated, none of them have storylines anymore. So they're mm -hmm. trying to push them together. Crystal's storyline was about actualizing and she mm -hmm. does still do that. Um, at the same time, I don't think Crystal does a great job. Um, mm -hmm. I think the makeover is probably her highlight, but I think that I personally like yeah. Jackie's, uh, I think Jackie, I think she should have won the makeover and Jackie should have won the one woman show. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also think the final episode would have been a lot more interesting because I actually mm -hmm. wouldn't, I feel like it would have been more like tense on who was going to stay and who was going to go. Um, also, the final episode is such, the final episode of that season is insane because it's the first time they ever mentioned track records on the show, mm -hmm. um, which I'm firmly against. I hate track records. I think that we should, um, I think that the Reddit discourse about track records has truly broken Drag Race mm -hmm. in a substantial way. Um, but I... The only time they've ever brought it up on the show was to save Sherry Pie. And I think that's telling. Yes. Because uh, oh, they specifically absolutely. say, they're like, she didn't do well in this episode, but we have to look at track record. And she's never had to lip sync. It's like, yeah, because she failed at lip syncing in the first episode. So you saved her. Like, well, that's well, why you do That's why they sorry. do like Lala Perusa things and mm -hmm. do like winner mm -hmm. lip syncs because they want to see if their favorites can win lip syncs. That's why. Yeah, well, that's why Simone's allowed to lip sync again, but like Gottmik never mm -hmm. lip synced after that episode because they knew they were like, Gottmik has like one to two tricks. She's not mm -hmm. bad. She did win against mm -hmm. Utica, but like she probably won't win another lip sync. And that's right. fine. Yeah. Because lip syncing isn't what drag queens do, no matter how much RuPaul wants to say it's the only thing drag queens do. 
It's so true. Well, and like, honestly, that season is such an interesting example of that the show had a winner that they had picked in casting um, that, or at least a top two or three that they really were pushing hard and that they knew there was controversy with and then had to act like they didn't know there was controversy with. <laughs> um, but also like I, uh, I, I, I was in New York when Jackie started doing drag and Jackie is one of my favorite people in the world so like i was so but i also went to amda with britta so like i was very invested in jackie doing well i love britta and i love jackie i i've i've never met jackie i've seen shows i've never met her i have like Mm -hmm. a dozen mutual friends with jackie Mm -hmm. because i lived in new york for so long Mm -hmm. um and like britta was one of my favorite queens i've been saying for years that britta was gonna win when she got on drag race egg on my face um I think, it, I think I it depends on who really it's always about that cast that they put you with because some people yeah. who are incredible queens are or it's I always said that Peppermint was going to do brilliantly when she went on and then Peppermint kind of had a rocky road of of drag race but it didn't mean that Peppermint was any less of an amazing performer it just went drag race is a really hard game to play it's also just a different thing I, I always think it's weird when people would be like not every queen's a drag race queen but also judge people, but then judge people by draggers. It's the same thing as like when Nikki got announced as the host of France and they were like, but she did badly on drag race. And I'm like, yeah. And Rue is still consistently the best drag race host. And we all can agree Rue would lose drag race. Um, and Rue would specifically lose drag race because he can't do his own makeup. Like, right. Like every time I say that people are like, cause he's bad. I'm like, no, cause he doesn't do hair or makeup. Right. And he can't sew. Like, the thing right. is that RuPaul, like, if RuPaul did only the acting challenges, he'd probably do pretty well. He's like a hammy performer. He doesn't take himself seriously. He's good mm-hmm. at branding. Um, and he can probably do a character impression. Probably. I don't know. Who probably. Knows? Who knows? Um, I, I, doing a character impression doesn't sh- uh, guarantee anything. Thank you, Willow Pill. Um this past snatch game, oh my god! <laughs> oh, this is gonna air in a couple of weeks, but like, I think we're gonna still be talking. Well, because I think there is. I was just listening to this episode, this week's episode of Race Chaser, which is Willem and Alaska's podcast. Yeah. Uh, big fan of it, and they were talking about how Big Dipper brought up that there's a huge discourse online that they should get rid of snatch game, which I disagree with. We've just had three really rough snatch games in one year because there's been a lot of drag race. Like there's just been a lot of drag race. And at the same time, I think we also got one of the, in the last, like in the last year of time, if we, Mm -hmm. if we're not looking at just 2022, but if we're also looking at 2021, we've also gotten two of my favorite snatch games. Mm -hmm. I think we got the first time snatch game of love was ever, ever actually worked specifically with my best friend, Ginger Minj and uh, Kylie Sonique Love. Um, so good like so good. iconic and then i think canada had a fantastic canada has had two fantastic snatch games I and agree. it's the it's the right level of fantastic mm-hmm. where it's not just everyone doing well it's good snatch games are every person who um is safe or higher is good mm-hmm. and the three people who are low ball yeah that's what you want like you want season seven season seven is the mm-hmm. best snatch game Sorry, season six. That's my most controversial opinion whenever I say it because people are like, but season seven is the bad one. I'm like, yeah, but season six has 
uh, has some nothing care. There are people in season six that you don't remember their snatch game performances. <laughs> there is no one on season seven that I think you can forget. Well, then also season seven, I just rewatched it. It's not a bad season. It was a different season. And we had more people that were on a, a level playing field. Like a lot of the queens that were coming together were coming from very little money. They were coming mm-hmm. from a center part of the country. And, you know, this was also... Like economically, nobody was doing stellar. So to see all of those queens on that season together, they're not bad because then you got fame who just like is a different kind of queen because normally in another season, they would have like set fame up to do really well. But you're rooting for the 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 stranger performers and that. I mean, and but then you've also got like Kennedy Davenport slaying the season and doing so well and being so likable. Um you know, it was just but like, it's, but like likable her and Ginger. I love Violet recently talked about it where she was like, I wasn't supposed to win that season. Ginger was. But yes. I think that Ginger's edit was so unlikable that mm-hmm. she wasn't able to. Um, and like, I don't think that's wrong. I think that Ginger got a really rock. Ginger's edit is so rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she's so aggressive. Her and Kennedy are so aggressively the villains of that season. And Violet's edit that se- entire season is just, oh my God, she's grown so much. Mm-hmm. She was a bitch, but now she asked me how my day was. She yeah. said one nice thing to me. One time she punched me in the face. It was, it was awesome. awesome. <laughs> like the reunion episode of season seven, not the reunion, the, uh, the bring back the makeover episode where all the girls are back is literally just an episode where people talk about how nice Violet is for and then, and then, and, uh, two episodes later, she performs with uh, Katya, and now Katya and her are best friends. Mm-hmm. And Katya is the way you know. And now Ginger's biggest asset, the fact that she's best friends with Katya, is also true of Violet. Yeah. Um, because Drag Race knows who their fan favorites are. Mm-hmm. And I also love that Katya's like every time someone tries to tell Katya that she won that lip sync against Kennedy, she's like, no. I did so badly and they only showed the parts that I do well. Mm-hmm. But I will still say Katya's outfit was like her costume was not bad. I didn't dislike her Hello Kitty costume. I actually hated Pearl's. Um, like I um, I really, I think, I really I think thought Pearl's, it should have been a Kennedy and Pearl lip sync, but like, that's just me. I One, I think that, I think that maybe you could say that Katya's outfit was like better constructed than pearls like kennedy obviously had the worst outfit um but like i think that pearl felt like something on the runway mm-hmm. whereas katya didn't like there's a weird level of like and it was santino back and we know santino mm-hmm. is all about fashion mm-hmm. the pro- the biggest problem i have with drag race is the decision that drag queens need to be fashion forward yes um because i just don't think it's true i think mm-hmm. that you can have fashion forward queens but like some of my favorite queens are not fashion queens mm-hmm. and some of my favorite queens with great aesthetics i would still not call fashion queens mm-hmm. so i think i think that like there's room for everyone and it's one of those re- it's one of those things where like people will always be like, does the runway matter? And I'm like, barely. Mm-hmm. Yes, the runway moves you up and down a point. Yes. If you were going to win, if, um, and the biggest way I can describe this is Bimini in episode in Rats the Rusical. Mm-hmm. Bimini is clearly the top two of that episode, 
Um, and then her, she walks out on her runway and all of the paint doesn't work. Right. And she, her runway flops. It just mm-hmm. didn't happen. And because of that, Bimini goes from top two of an episode to safe. Mm-hmm. And Ellie Diamond, because she had a great runway, moves up. Mm-hmm. And like that, yeah. Oh, you're good. I was okay. about to say, I love that season of Drag Race so much. Like it is, it, I, I also just really am enjoying the UK girls because literally they're fighting for like, country pride but they're fighting for badges and literally no money but they are bringing it so wonderfully and like i i just i find in canada too even and they're fighting hard because they don't have to pay taxes on the hundred thousand dollars so like those two they're ones where i still i get truly gooped and gapped like i just i really enjoy them in a way that maybe it's just because with vh1 and we're talking we talk about the producers producing the show so much um and drag race being in their 14th season, plus six all-stars, really in their 20th season of American Drag Race. It's one of those things that it's like, we've seen so much that it's it's really refreshing to also not have, like with Canada, Rue's not on set ever. She doesn't have really an opinion about what's happening. And that's what I like. Uh, I mean, that is, I, I, I still believe that's why uh, Lemon went home first is they just didn't know who she was. Right. Like, like Rue and Michelle, I don't think had watched the season. They knew Jimbo was popular because mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey Barr Chapman got bullied off Twitter. But, like, no one freaked out when Lemon got eliminated. I know, because I tweeted justice for Lemon because I loved Lemon so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one liked that tweet, and it was not trending. Um, like, the first time. The second time, obviously, everyone liked it. But, oh, yeah. um, but like, Lemon wasn't some big force in her first season. Mm-hmm. She was, like, she was, she was great, but it was clear she was never going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimbo was everyone's favorite. So they knew when you're bringing him back for all stars like Jimbo. Now we know Jimbo never could have won that season because it requires the ability to move around and move your mouth in time with words, a thing that Jimbo can't do. Um, it's the same thing as like, imagine being bag of chips and getting to an end of a season that was not made for you. Like people keep talking about how Baga was bad this season. And I'm like, yeah. Of course, Baga wasn't great in the season that had zero comedy challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, Baga Chips does a very specific thing very well. But you can't do that on a season where half the cast doesn't speak English as a first language. And I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and it's also... The UK versus the world, I think one of the biggest issues with it was the girls were where we talked about before, like Diabetti not being aware of the cameras. I think everyone is so overly aware that they're being um, that they're being produced, that they're on camera, that a worldwide audience is going to have an opinion on them. Um, and that I think it that affected so many of those girls on UK versus the world and their their performances. And, and it was it was an interesting like study of drag race, not of drag, but of like as drag races of phenomenon. It's also interesting because I think there's something really interesting about the idea that a, a big thing I remember is um, first episode, Mo and Juju had like shady corner and the internet erupted mm-hmm. at Mo in a way that was like horrifying. And I'm, I'm going to say this. If people keep talking about how, if Jimbo was a person of color, he would not have the fan support he does. And it's absolutely true because if Jimbo was a person of color, he'd be Nino Bonina Brown. Right. Um, like super talented artist, 
who regularly gets in their own head and throws temper tantrums when they get notes. Like, Jimbo gets no... Jimbo, like, when people were like, why did Pangina send home Jimbo? I'm like, because he walked out and was like, my note was that I shouldn't have danced. It's like, no, your note was that you should have danced better and, like, Mm -hmm. given character while doing it. It, Your note was the thing Janie Jacquet was good enough to get during the meeting that you weren't able to figure out. Um, Like, but, like, the fact that Mo said, like, three shady things and suddenly everyone was like, Mo is terrible now. It's like, no, she's not. No. We know know Mo well enough to know that she can both throw shade and be delightful. And it's just so weird that these, like, 10-year-olds who've never actually, like, who who are still so, these, like, terminally online 10-year-olds who just don't have gay friends mm-hmm. that aren't online and constantly, like, constantly supportive uh, can understand that, like, you can support someone while also saying your makeup looks terrible. Right. Um, like, and so it's so... So everything just take gets taken out of context so aggressively mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah, these queens literally had to have a co- In the episode where uh, they had a long conversation about the actual effects on their mental health that hate online can give uh, was the same episode where uh, Blue Hydrangea uh, sent Pangina home and suddenly they're sending hate to Pangina, even though they were literally just being like, hey, sending hate to people is bad. And like, you can have productive conversations, but it's all a TV show anyway. Mm-hmm. It's a TV show where you win the worst thing that's ever been produced by Drag Race. Literally. That song. That song. It's so bad. Okay, so I have a question for you there then. The memes of Juju have been going around of like when Juju's competing for money, when Juju's not. Now, I was like... Um, because I think you're a little younger than I am, but like I'm a day one drag race person. So like I loved Juju since the beginning. I did feel that there was something really off this with UK versus the world about her performance. No, like not performance, but I guess like the package she bought. But I also agree that I would have not invested as someone that has a brand like Juju. I wouldn't have invested $50,000 million or $50, into a package for a six episode show to bring to for for literal no prize other than that you're already an international favorite so what are what's kind of some of your opinions about like the 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 juju path that happened on uk versus the world okay so i'm a my first season was season three and i did i i I like first season um, great first season though great first season highly recommend um and I like I watched Drag You when it happened. I watched. I didn't watch uh, All Stars One because I had taste. Um, yeah. I've seen it since. Um, I like. I've seen and I've so I, I I've seen a lot of Juju. Um, I think that one of my friends said it best. They said I think Juju B's storyline was already over. Mm-hmm. I think the best that Juju B was ever going to do on Drag Race was always going to be all-stars five uh i think that she everything she brought to that season was great it was her Mm -hmm. first time ever it was her first and last time ever having a good runway um Mm -hmm. but like you look at a queen like jujube versus a queen like manila Mm -hmm. um who i think are very much the same generation Mm -hmm. and manila when she came back for all-stars had leveled up to what drag race was now Mm -hmm. 
Juju B still shops at the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's so okay. Said, like it's yeah. okay. And mall drag and like Juju B is great. She's funny. It doesn't matter what she wears. If you can like Alyssa Edwards uh, dressing in literal garbage all the time, you can like Juju B dressing mm-hmm. in. Uh, literal garbage from forever 21 all the time like it's not a huge problem but it is a thing and jujubee's aesthetic is never crazy good like Mm -hmm. she's like truly i think her her best runway of all time and maybe her only good runway ever was the uh the finale look for all stars five and i did like her finale look this season but it wasn't like Mm-mm. an iconic fashion moment it was just like a good gown category um and i so i think that juju b came in she sang her song which was never going to be great Mm-mm. and then the next week it was um then the next week it was sewing which <laughs> juju b can't sew um like i wasn't surprised that juju and like I wasn't and like Jujubee got a lot of good notes in All Stars Five while wearing very bad outfits. Mm-hmm. Like Jujubee's runways didn't hold her back in All Stars, the way that they were acting like they were holding her back this season, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that her runway caliber wasn't significantly different because you wouldn't be like Jujubee in All Stars, Jujubee with money, Jujubee without money, but it's literally like her one good runway and then her snake runway. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. Compare the snakes runway to the three-in-one runway that was just lingerie with three different hats. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Jujubee has never been someone who invests a lot in Drag Race. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that no. Jujubee... I think that Jujubee is so talented and so charismatic that she can get through on it. And then, like, the week... A- but, like, then you look at that and you're like, the week after that was the, uh, the Liza Minnelli thing. And I don't think her Liza's bad. I think that they just no. wanted Liza. Like, yeah. I specifically don't think that Jujubee did bad that episode. And I think they just had a very specific image in their mind that she didn't live up to. Um, I also think that if they noted the entire group, like it's one of those weird things where I think calling bag of chips safe in that episode is the reason bag of chips was safe. But if they had noted everyone, I think that bag of chips would have wound up being in the bottom mm-hmm. because I think that they would have gotten to bag of chips runway, which I don't remember, but I don't, mm-hmm. but I, I can just assume was bad. Um, mm-hmm. The, her, her, whatever her dot runway was and then they would have talked about her performance and how there wasn't a lot there and like I think that she would have then had like a hissy fit about not getting the part she wanted mm-hmm. and I think it would have sunk her down to low with Jimbo who I think was mm-hmm. the worst of the week um, and then after that you get Snatch Game and I think that Jujubee's Snatch Game was it wasn't her Eartha kit but it was kind of similar The mm-hmm. her, Jujubee's thing is I'm going to pick a celebrity that I can kind of do the voice of. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring a very recognizable look. And then I'm just going to be fucking weird. Like, <laughs> Which I always love. Her Eartha Kid is so fun. I loved it. Her Eartha Kid's great. I think her share is great. I think I don't do the tongue thing, Rue. Do you know any other songs? No. And the like, charcuterie. When charcuterie. She, like, I loved it. I thought it was so cute. And then I think that Jujubee actualized in the next episode. You know, she she sang better than she's ever sung on Drag Race and then uh, paired it off with a an uglier recreation of her One Good Luck. Mm-hmm. Someone brought up that she had One Good Luck this season. I'm like, yeah, it's just a bad version of her original Good Luck. It's the same color scheme. It's mm-hmm. the same, like, headpiece. Like, 
it's just a lesser version. Um, and then, and then in the final, and then it, it ends with her winning the toy lip sync, which I think was people are like Mo won that lip sync. I'm like, no, Mo didn't. That song is funny, and Mo isn't that funny. Um, and then I think what should have happened in the final episode is it should have been UK versus US. I like agree. I know the wheel makes sense, but it should have been Blue and Baga versus Mo and Juju. Mm-hmm. Because I think there was no way that Juju B... I don't think there was a way that it was going to be two U.S. girls at the end. Mm-mm. And while I think that uh, Blue and Juju did equally well on that lip sync, and I think maybe Blue edged her out, depending on how you feel about performances, um, like I think, I think it's very subjective on which person won. I think Juju B couldn't win because Mo was already in the final. Yep. Um, and I think that then... Mo and I like I also don't have a problem with that because I think Mo mm-hmm. I think Mo Blue and Juju were uh all did better this all all did good seasons mm-hmm. I think Mo and uh and I think Mo and Blue specifically did their best seasons mm-hmm. um like Mo managed to bring things to the runway Mo managed to set a bar for the runway that I don't think will be topped anytime soon yeah um and like Blue actualized so much and like. It's similar to like Crystal Method's story, mm-hmm. like especially when you see from like for when you see from like first episode to now, like mm-hmm. that whole block is incredible. Mm-hmm. But like the moment that Juju B ended that block with All Stars Five, and she just shouldn't have come back. Mm-hmm. And they also just shouldn't have invited her back. Like they should have invited someone else. Like they should have invited they. And I my my theory is that because there wasn't prize money. And they knew that. I know they, I feel like they knew that for this one because they were given $10,000 for runways. Yep. Which I also. Oh, were they? I did not know that about. They were given 10 grand. Lemon mentioned it. Everyone got $10,000 runway runways. Juju B clearly pocketed it. So she actually won the most money this season. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But like, I think that's a, that's a very, I would rather. Every queen on a season get money. I would rather every mm-hmm. queen on a, a season of UK get money for runways than have a cash prize. Um, be- Sorry, go ahead. Finish but, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, because I think it levels the playing field in a way that mm-hmm. nothing else can. And Vanity Milan basically said, the reason no queens of color do Drag Race UK is that it's not worth it. Yep. Um, because of the financial burden. And I think that will allow that to happen. Mm-hmm. So my question for you, because we always, every season of Drag Race in the US, it's like, oh, such and such spent this, such and such spent this. And then everybody's like, oh my God, Raja O'Hara only spent $3,000 on her package. Um, do you think that there should be a, like a new tip to Drag Race should be, there should be a cap? Like, because you have to prove everything to them ahead of time of like what you do. You think there should be a cap of what you can spend on Drag Race? No. Um, but also, I think that if you were to cap it, Gottmik wore couture and didn't spend money on it. Right. Do, what do you do with Carrie Colby wearing a, a dress that's worth more than $100,000? Like, she didn't pay for it. It was a gift and it, it was a loan and she had to give it back. Like, I think that, I think that. There's an interesting level where uh, I want to I want to bring up the ball from 13. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, which is a very controversial moment. But I remember a lot of people. I was like, Gottmik didn't win based on her final look. She won based on her presentation of all three, and she mm-hmm. specifically won 
in that look that Nicole Kidman ripped off for the AMC commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, that beautiful, like, Swarovski pit, uh, mm-hmm. crystal, um, like, look with the fringe and the, the ponytail. Um, and someone was like, she shouldn't win because she has more money than Utica. And my response to that is, based on what Utica made with sleeping bags in two days, there is no person who could outspend, who could outspend mm-hmm. Utica's talent. Mm-hmm. The thing that killed Utica in that ball was her taste level. Yes. Um, and I think that there is something to be said about the idea that like Violet Chachki isn't spending a lot of money on every look, but she's still like, she even talked about it. She's like, she thrifts most of her stuff. But if you find like a vintage piece in thrift, do you count it for $5 that you bought it for? Or do you count it for the several hundred dollars that it counted? Like, I think that, if you start putting caps on what queens can and can't spend, mm-hmm. you're just going to limit people and you're also mm-hmm. going to force designers. You're, it's only going to affect the designers mm-hmm. who are going to be forced to lower their commission prices if they want their looks to be on Drag Race. Because that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. As a costume designer myself, that's not something we should have to do. Because, like, I know, like, Florence Lee does a ton of stuff for the New York girls. And, like, she should, because I love what Bryce does. Like, a gorgeous work. But it's also, it does also bring up those connections of, like, your girls in the Midwest who aren't from LA and it helps that like Carrie Colby is a Getty girl, like does wigs and hair for Austin. And so like, it's just one of those things that like the, the access to things is the same with, with got Mick with the things, but it's also like, if I have those resources, why not use them? Like don't use them just not to use them. And also there's just kind of a weird level of like, we say these things, but then we also bring up that runways don't matter. Right. Like right, absolutely. for as much as we talk about how uh how you should be a price cap and all that stuff, Carrie Colby still had to lip sync in a Versace gown. And like <laughs> Absolutely. Honestly, while not doing the worst in the episode. Um, I think there were two people, I think that uh I think there were two aggressively worse people than her. Uh I and I think one of them had the worst runway of the episode. Um I agree. And I think then the Georgia's uh, Jasmine lip sync would have been a little bit more fair. She would have had a couple more lip syncs under her belt. Yes. Um, I, I what I what I basically learned is that I think there's so such there is such a thing to taste that mm-hmm. I think we kind of almost ignore. Like, mm-hmm. like I think like taste. I run taste is a really good example of this. Where yes. like the way she walks and the things she puts together. And the way she moves is so intoxicating that she can kind of wear anything mm-hmm. and look gorgeous. And she knows how to silhouette. And then you have someone who like, then there, there are queens who clearly spend a lot of money on every outfit mm-hmm. and their taste level just like is not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I love rock, but I think rock and soccer is a good example of this. Where like mm-hmm. rock spent a lot of money on runways and talks about it, but like, her, the reason her, the ball was bad for her was that she spent all, was that like both of her looks were like weird mm-hmm. and like it wasn't like they weren't expensive it was just that like they were weird colors that didn't flatter her mm-hmm. still the only thing i remember about the entire entirety of that ball is uh rock's head thing but still and i love rock as a queen i think what rock does yeah. is also beautiful boy beautiful girl we love we love yeah. we love rock uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Rock is one of my favorite, one of my favorite queens, and mm-hmm. I think she went home too soon. But at the same time, I don't think that it was a money thing that sent her home. Mm-hmm. I think it was literally like a taste level thing. 
Well, and I think it's also that thing of where everybody wants a gay best friend because we're going to take them shopping and do their makeup and things. Just because you do drag and just because this is a thing you do does not mean you inherently have the taste. It's kind of how they started June Jambalaya's plot from the beginning of the show between her and like what Cornbread would say. It was like, oh, June spends a lot of money but does not have a taste level that that matches the amount of money that she's willing to spend. Yeah. Which saw or even like when you've got something like Lala Ree's bag challenge where or bag ball, where it's just like, you know, a great performer. I saw her on the Christmas Queens tour. Uh, the $40 I paid was well worth it just for her Beyonce number. But like, you know, it's one bags. of those things. They're bags. They're literal bags. And also like comparing her and Utica, they had the exact same time. And, you know, it's, it's just, you can't. I'll never buy a forget the level. moment. I'll never forget the moment where Nicole Byer went. Why didn't you cut up the bags? When she was just like, there's two sides. You had twice as much material if you cut the bags, but you didn't. Um, it's so good. Uh, the bag, the bag dress is an icon. But like the other thing about Lala Ree is that Lala Ree is a good example of someone with a really high taste level. Mm-hmm. Other than that moment, like Lala Ree talks about how she didn't spend a lot of money on Drag Race. But you can't tell when she walked in. She always looked like a, a like a literal million bucks. Whereas, like, I'm gonna. This is a. This is one of my more controversial opinions. I think Rose has a really low taste level. I agree. Or like Tina Burner, like, and those are New York queens with a lot of money. I think Jan is another similar level of like Jan. Jan's problem, I think, is that she thinks you have to be really out of the box with all your runways. Mm-hmm. But it does put her in this position where I'm like your runways, you're clearly spending money on them and they're clearly Mm well-made, but they don't necessarily look great. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. Yeah, I think think there's a situation where like the designer did exactly what the queen asked, but it's also like, because like the designer posted all the sketches the week after they would premiere on the runway, but it was also just like, I think the queen had an idea and like, I I think Tina Burner needs to get off that red, yellow, orange palette because it's just not working. It's just not working. It just, it was just a choice. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as like half of Vanjie's runways were red because she didn't actually conceptualize anything. She just reached out to designers and said, I need a look. It needs to have a waist. Here's the category. And they went, done. And then a bunch of people made her the same dress. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that story. I think it's very interesting. Whereas, uh, was I, like, I also think that there's a level of like style can account for taste. Because mm-hmm. like, a lot of people came for Ginger Minj's runways on this last season. I was like, I think Ginger Minj felt very cohesive, though. Like, mm-hmm. Ginger has a very specific style, and then it culminates in that gorgeous final outfit. Uh, that final runway that was, like, like asymmetrical. Yeah. And, like, uh, apparently she had to literally... Uh, when, uh, I, when I saw her show uh, and met her and uh, her, like, friend and creative partner, who also is her designer... Uh, we were like talking about that and she had to like literally lay on the ground as like it was sewn around her because it was such a like complicated piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, not everything, like not everything she wore was like mm-hmm. couture, but that's not the type of queen she is. Mm-hmm. And like, if you want couture, look at Trinity K. Bonet. She's giving you drama in every l- runway. Mm-hmm. 
I think we've also lost touch on the that everything doesn't need to be couture and nobody quite actually understands the the or origination and the purpose of hot couture. So I think I think just drag race always going, oh, it needs to be couture, it needs to be couture. And I was like, you still shop at Santi Alley, you don't know couture, my dude. But like but also, but also you're giving works. them sewing, you're giving them sewing machines, so it's not couture. Yeah, literally couture is hand stitched. Hand it's stitched. like literally the thing. And you're only giving them like eight hours like you're only giving them eight hours i i don't you know even project runway gives them more more stuff but yeah and like i don't i also don't mind it because i think that there's something really cool about i like design challenges on drag i love them and i I absolutely love them um, but i also understand why they don't do a lot of them Mm -hmm. because i think that design episodes can be kind of boring there are good design episodes and there are bad (laughs) design episodes Mm -hmm. and if you only do one and, and if you only do one a season you're probably doing a bad design episode Mm-hmm. Um, but also like you look at like something like season 11 and like, oh my God, there's three design episodes in that season and none of them are variants and plastic tiara made the same thing for all three of them. Yes. And she won the third one. Yes. It's like, okay, cool. Well, same so color palette too. That's a, so that's a good transition. One. I also think it's if they're now, if they're going to do a construction challenge, it's a ball because you fill 40 minutes of the episode with the actual runway. And then you only need to. That. No, I, I hate, hate that. It. Yeah, I, I hate, hate it. it. Well, because like honestly, in you you can tell the difference between World of Wonder producing with with US and then with the BBC producing with with UK because when we do get those long workroom scenes because they don't do an untucked. We've gotten some of the most educational, wonderful workroom chats out of UK because World of Wonder can't go, we don't care about this aspect of queer life, so we're not going to talk about it. Uh, so I... I, I also have no, a theory. No, this is, this is an insane theory. I don't think RuPaul's allowed to know whose lipstick is whose. I in, agree. In, in, in UK. I think that you... I think RuPaul was actually shocked at every elimination and I had agree. no idea mm-hmm. because one, we all saw AJ and the queen. We know Rue can't act that well. Um, but two, <laughs> I think there are different laws and I think you're not allowed to like, there are, there are very specific game, uh, game show laws in the UK that prevent tampering with results. And so I don't think that Rue is allowed to know who ha- is holding whose lipstick, which I think is a big part of why, these things happen. Like you can't have, you can't just be like, I'm going to edit Janie to be better in this lip sync than Pangina and give her the win so that Jimbo can stay. And I think they would have done that. Like, like I think if they, cause like Janie didn't do bad. Like that, that is the best lip sync we got that season. Like Janie didn't do bad in it. It just was like, Pangina did slightly better. Yeah. Um, But I think if they knew that Pangina was sending Jimbo home, she wouldn't have won. Do you, Oh, so that's, oh, that's, that's a very good. So there have been a lot of allegations that came out of season three of Drag Race UK because it is kind of well known that it was back to back UK versus the world, UK three and superstars are are the winner's season. Uh, Plus, we can't talk about that yet, but that because of that, World of Wonder purposely broke a lot of 
rules and laws that the BBC and the Crown have to protect people, which was like, there was no health and wellness advisor on set. There was no therapist on set, all things that have to happen. There was nobody managing time. So they were cramming episodes into single days where we wouldn't normally do that. Um, And then that also apparently affected UK versus the world as well. And so now there's this idea of there's actually like a court case between the crown, the BBC and world of wonder that could affect the his, like the future of uh, what, what do you think a UK season without Rue and Michelle would look like? Uh, Cause I think that I could see that happening. Cause I know something similar is happening with you with down under if they do a second season. Um, well, I know that there's, I think it's interesting that court case is happening. Cause I know that they're actively filming UK four right now. Mm-hmm. That um, I do know, but I know they um, have, they had like someone stepped in and like there were parameters of stuff that had to be followed yeah. and, and that sort of thing. I, so I think, I think that the more that RuPaul can be removed from the show, the mm-hmm. better. And I don't say that because I dislike Ru. I actually do like Ru quite a bit. I like Michelle a lot. I'm like the only Drag Race fan that still likes Michelle. Oh, um, I love Michelle. I, like as a musical theater and as a fan and as a nerd, I really like Michelle. Yeah. Like like Michelle also just has heard of everything. Mm-hmm. Like my favorite moment of the entire series of all time is Utica Queen asking, have you seen The Lion King, Michelle? And I'm like, Michelle, know, Michelle knew who Poppy was. Yeah. Of course she's seen the, Michelle knows every obscure Snatch Game character. She's like, you didn't say these things about their lives. Like, how the only thing michelle's never had never seen was Shit's creek and she's finally fixed that uh because it's really clear watching down under she hadn't seen it um but i think that uh i think specifically uk without rue is a good idea mm-hmm. um because rue doesn't know anything about uk culture absolutely he doesn't know who any of these people are mm-hmm. he doesn't know who any what any of these references are he regularly has runway runways explained to him in the moment it very much and i think he pushes i think both of them push drag in the uk to feel more like drag in the u.s and i don't Mm -hmm. love that um so i think that i think that and like canada is actually like my favorite current non-us franchise because it's so different and because the the and i heard that uh my love stacy mckenzie is apparently going to be coming back for season three Yes. which is all I want. Good. I'm like, yeah. I want Brad, Brooke, and Stacey. That is my dream panel. Um, but I think Canada is so willing to let queens be where they are and judging mm-hmm. them by who, what they're actually bringing, um, which is so such a revelation after I think Rue wants people to do things the way Rue wants them done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that UK would really benefit from it. I know that Down Under basically fell apart because RuPaul didn't know what what Australian humor was like. Mm-hmm. And like, whereas with UK, Michelle knows so much that like she can kind of bring Ru with her. Um, you get, to, when you get something like, uh, like down under, it's like Michelle doesn't really know either. And so mm-hmm. it's just Reese Nicholson trying to be like, um, actually. And they're like, shut up, Reese. Shut up, you twink. We brought you on not to talk. <laughs> Which is weird, because I think Reese is the best part of that season. Reese is I carrying agree. that season on his very blown out back, you know? I would honestly love it to be Reese and then Vanity, like of, of Wigs by Vanity, to for Vanity to be the host, because Vanity is so charming to watch. Um, I, and- want, I want Vanity to be the Michelle to Courtney. 
I want Courtney Axe to host the show. I think, I think Courtney has great. a really, but I also think Courtney has a really good perspective on like sexuality and gender mm-hmm. in a way that like is really forward thinking in a way that I think is good. Um, and I don't think that like, like I think that Rue is a human being who's growing and I'm never, I don't, I'm not one of the people who's like, RuPaul took this long to get a woman on the show, so I'm mad about it. I'm like, RuPaul finally get a woman on the show. That's great. I'm like, Ru- people who were like, this season has a straight man. I'm like, yeah, let's put some, some trans people on it. Like, I think it's great. <laughs> I, I think everything's great. I think that Maddie was exactly what we all thought a straight drag queen was going to be like, um, which is just Trixie Mattel from season seven. Um, <laughs> You're so, it's, it's so correct. But like, it's one of those things where people keep comparing them because of how they look. And I'm like, no, they also are like the quiet ones in the room who like are good writers, but aren't mm-hmm. pushing themselves out of the box enough to like be main characters. Oh, and um, the big difference though, is that Maddie can win a lip sync. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You are Maddie. <laughs> Maddie like popped up in the comment section of one of my lives recently and was just like the loveliest person. I was like, I think he's absolutely lovely. I, I mean, it's ever also it's one of those things. It's like queer people. We for we demand so much, but then the moment something isn't exactly what we want, we will we will weaponize anything we can to attack anyone that doesn't serve our purposes anymore. And Drag Race is such an example of that. And even like you might not have agreed with Maddie being on the show, but like didn't come disrespectfully actually made themselves the butt of the joke the whole time yeah. with like handle. I thought handled it with such class and decorum. Yeah. I'm kind of excited to see her on the, the, the reunion. So like, yeah, I think, and I think Maddie is like Maddie's type of drag is valid. And I think that I also, so I know that everyone's like, she was cast cause she's straight but I can look at everything she brought to the show and I go, no, she was cast because she's really good in audition tape. Mm-hmm. Like, think, like it's the same thing as like Trixie had apparently at the time the funniest audition tape Rue had ever seen and then came onto the show and couldn't push past that. I think Maddie is really good when she has full control of her edit. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what got her cast. Um, and like being straight was a bonus because we have two trans contestants this season and we're going, and now we have 18 trans contestants this season. <laughs> it's true. It's a, oops, all trans. <laughs> yeah. And like, and like, God, there's a high likelihood that are, that we're going to have two, tra- uh, two trans contestants in the top four. And I'm very excited for it. I'm so they're, excited they're making, for that. Though I'm very worried. I'm worried. They're making my little baby. They're making my little baby Willow lip sync next episode she's not even a big pill she's just a willow pill like why are they gonna do that to her i'm so mad at you right now (laughs) i just also so this i think this will be the last thought because i've kept you way longer than i meant to but like you're just so wonderful to chat with um what so something that's kind of annoyed me a little bit, and I'm enjoying Georges on the show. We got to, keeping Georges meant we got to see Georges' hot gay brother last episode, um, which the internet is loving. He'll be a pit crew member next season. I will bet you any money. Um, but. I mean, we've seen a lot of hot gay brothers. We've seen a lot of hot gay brothers. Like there was also, uh, Dahlia Sin had a hot gay brother. It's true. Just make them all pit crew one member, one, one, one season. But I do think, think there's this thing where rue latches on to someone hot 
and young and very feminine looking early on and says, you're the future of drag. You were meant to do drag. And they end up doing really well in their season when maybe they didn't always do well. Um, you know, I think really seeing it starting with Aquaria moving forward, though I think Aquaria in many situations delivered in so many ways. But I think seeing it between Crystal Versace and the, Crystal Versace? Crystal Versace. There's been yeah. so many girls this it's year. Versace. Versace. <laughs> it's pronounced Versace. Um, between like Crystal and then seeing it with Georges like a little bit, it's it's... Do you think Rue actually only has one very specific vision of drag in many ways or like her version and then like what she thinks Lady Bunny is valid for doing? And so those are kind of what we're alternating between or what, what do you think that means when Rue kind of capitalizes on those kinds of comments? So I want to, I'm going to start with Aquaria because I think she's a very different story than Crystal and Georges, but I for agree. a very specific reason. Aquaria was like one of the most well-known drag queens at 21. Like mm-hmm. she was basically if she didn't aquaria is one of those queens that pro that would still be an incredibly famous well-known drag queen had she, like she probably would have already started walking like professional runways even if she hadn't done drag race like she is and like as a makeup artist she has revolutionized drag in such a mm-hmm. an interesting way um and i just think aquaria is such an interesting example because i think that the one time aquaria faltered in the entirety of her season was also the episode with, I think, her best runway, um, which is the Cher musical. Um, oh, I and, loved that runway. And then she walks out with the glittered eyes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I also mm-hmm. think there's a thing on Drag Race where you're not allowed to... If you, are, if you have a runway that is great, but you physically could not lip sync in it, you're safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, I, and we've seen it a lot. We've seen a lot of low people where the person with the most unwieldy outfit is safe. Um, now, going to Crystal and Georges, I think Rue is just really happy to see young queer people without trauma. I think that the biggest thing with Rue is that, like, he sees these young queer people who are not coming at this from a place, who are coming at this because they love it, mm-hmm. because they love who they are, they love being queer, and they love doing this. And they're not try- they never had to try to be anything else. And he sees this just utterly pure expression of queer joy mm-hmm. that he is so foreign to him. And so he looks at them and they're having a good time doing the thing that brought him the only sliver of joy he ever mm-hmm. really felt, I think, as a young person. And he's like, you were born to do this. And like, no, Rue, they were born five minutes ago and now they're doing this. <laughs> but at the same time, I think that it's so, I think it's just for Rue that is the thing that probably makes drag race worth it to him is mm-hmm. to see people like crystal Versace or Georges. Georges is such a great example because like Georges is just a ball of joy on the runway. Mm-hmm. And when she lip syncs and it truly does is one of those things where like, this is, this is what she is just so good at. And she doesn't feel there's nothing holding her back. Her family loves her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is so intoxicating to Rue because it, I think, I think both these people, I think Rue has probably had a pretty rough couple years um, with COVID and the fracking. 
Um, and like Rue gets a lot of hate online. Some deserved a lot. I don't think very deserved. Um, I regularly think about this post that was like, young gays act like RuPaul gave them rights. And I'm always like, kind of did. <laughs> Drag Race is a show that actually did a lot of like actual work, but also RuPaul didn't need to win Drag Race. He came up in the 80s when being a drag queen was not a thing people were <laughs> in a public way. And like he did open a lot of doors and paved a lot of ways. And I think that's important and valid and interesting. And I think that Rue is finally at a point where I think he's also kind of looking both towards legacy and maybe towards retirement. <laughs> I think Rue, I think Rue only has like, I think Rue's final season will be, I'm going to put it out there now. It'll be 20 or earlier. Um, and I think that Rue is going to take whatever chance he can to not do UK again, to not do Down Under again. I think we're going to see Rue start pulling back from the franchise a little bit. And it will be a, like... I think Rue's looking at queens like Georges and queens like Crystal and saying, you are my legacy. <laughs> the fact that you can be this happy doing this thing that means this much to me is the reason I've been doing this for this long. And I don't think Rue is sentimental enough or maybe even self-aware enough to get that that is where he's coming from. I think he's just excited to see the pretty drag queens do their thing. <laughs> um, and I do think there's something interesting about the fact that um, both queens who he's gravitating towards are like super young and super feminine queens. But at the same time, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of... I think a lot of like super young queens tend to also be... Like the, the, the super young queens we tend to get on the show are fashion queens. Mm -hmm. And I think there is like a kind of a distinct level of like, it's hard to do camp well at a young age. I agree. And so, so I think much. that camp, which is I think why all of the best camp queens are in their mid to late 20s, even their 30s and 40s, because it takes so much time to develop that true sense of like, what is funny in a camp way versus what is funny in like, what 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 am I laughing with you at versus what are you laughing at me at? Because I think Anubis is a good example of a queen who like just never never did not has not figured it out at nineteen mm -hmm. because oh my god she's trying to do something that will take years of perfecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I also think it's one of those that like uh, the other day if you look at Deja Sky is the oldest contestant on this season at thirty one. So like when Rue's references like are even sometimes like old for Michelle, sometimes and Michelle and Rue are only 10 years apart. Well, 15 years apart. Like it's the one 70s of those things. weren't that long ago. I know. It's one of those things. It's like, of, of course, when all of your queens are between 20 and 25, they're not going to get the references. So they're not always going to do that wonderful. It's like looking at the UK two girls. I'm shocked they did as well as they did. Cause Lawrence Cheney's the oldest or uh, whoever was the oldest at like 25 on that season. I think it was the Lawrence. That, Lawrence is like, Lawrence is 27 going on 85, but she's like 27. Yeah. And so, and then you had Ellie who was the youngest, but then like Bimini and Taste were just right there within a year or two. Just everybody looks so different. So my last question for you, Joe, as we wrap up, the last question, Rue stepping down, who's taking over Drag Race as the new uh, the, host? Uh, the dream is Alaska. Yeah. I think Alaska um, would be a phenomenal host. I just think... I just think Alaska loves drag in a way. Mm -hmm. People always say Shangela. And I'm like, Shangela's 
a bad choice because I think she makes good TV. I don't think she would be good at hosting TV. Um, um, I think that, and like, I I even say that watching we're here and thinking she's a very good host. Um, I think that, I think that Alaska would be a great choice or Bob Mm -hmm. because I think that they both have, and I think, um, I think if it's Bob, you bring in Monet as her second person. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's Alaska, I don't think you bring in Willem because I don't think Willem likes people. But I think, I also think maybe you do two people. Um, And I I think Bob and Monet would be a really strong couple too. Or Bob and Peppermint. Um, Bob and Pep would be so good. And that would also be great for the, the like longevity of the franchise too. And also just that like people have had concerns that like drag race isn't good for trans people, but like trans people are intrinsic to the history of drag so like yeah you, and i think the show is two statements is, is i think the show is finally ready to look at that and i think there was a weird level in the early seasons where it was very much about the difference between being a boy and being a girl mm-hmm. like the early seasons really feel like can you believe that these men dress like women <laughs> um like it's very that and i feel like it had to be that to like stick out at all Mm -hmm. um and i think it just took rue a little bit too much time to realize that his show was big enough that he could start being inclusive and i also think that um and i think that rue was so worried about like i i I genuinely don't think that rue ness is like transphobic and that's why it took Mm -hmm. so long to get a trans contestant i genuinely think that rue thought the world was still transphobic and if he put a trans contestant on his show that trans contestant would get shit for using performance enhancing drugs, AKA estrogen. Um, and I think that there is something to like brew trying to mitigate the hate that comes at him and his show. And sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth because he's 900 years old. Absolutely. But like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. like, like Rue lived through the AIDS crisis. It's not like mm-hmm. Rue doesn't know. Tr- and like was a New York city drag queen. It's like, he doesn't know what he doesn't know trans people. He also like grew up in a time where, the reason he uses, I also feel like Rue, people forget that Rue isn't on the internet. Right. Like, I think the last time Rue saw a meme was Honey Badger, and he has not been online since. Um, he just, he watched the Honey Badger video. He's like, the internet has peaked. I'm going to log off now. Um, but like, it also explains why he is typically behind on like things like slurs. Because um, like, the T slur and the S slur are terrible and awful and applied to RuPaul in the 80s because we didn't have good gender conversations yeah. then. Um, and they've been reclaimed, not reclaimed, but they've been like, they might have been, I, I'm not speaking for the trans community here, but they, they've been talked about and they've been discussed and they are things you can't say anymore. And I think Ru just didn't know that because he hasn't been online. And then when someone told him, the show stopped saying them. And he defended them in a bad way, but it was... It, it was just one of those things where it's like, you're just telling him not to be... I feel like there are parts of Rue that just feel like kids today are so ungrateful that I for all the work I've done. And like, yeah, yeah probably, but also they, they do have a point. Yeah. And it's just about listening. And I think the more that the show listens, the better it is. But also people need to stop pretending that Drag Race is going to solve all the world's problems. Absolutely. A thousand percent. I agree with you a thousand percent there. Like, like I, people keep wanting Kings on the show and I'm like, I don't want Rue and Michelle to try to figure out how to know to drag King. Mm-mm. And I would love to see a drag King on a show that like, I would love to see a drag King on like Canada. Cause I think mm-hmm. Brooke, Brad and Stacy would be really good at talking to a drag King. I don't think Rue or Michelle would have 
anything productive to say. No. It's the same thing as like a bearded queen. If a bearded queen ever does drag race, at some point, Michelle is going to be like, do we get the beard every time? And they're going to make that queen shave. And then she should be a smooth shaved queen for the rest of the season that she's on because it takes a long time to grow body hair back. Well, or she's going to, she's going to shave her beard and then get sent home because she shaved her beard. And they realize, oh, maybe that's not the problem. Because then they realize it's like, oh, she contours different because of the beard. But it's like, just because you're a bearded queen doesn't mean you're not using makeup and things. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, Joe, thank you so Go ahead. Yeah. No, you're good. But yeah, it's one of those things. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I was just capping my point with like a, a platitude. <laughs> well, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. This has been an absolute delight. It makes me really want to just do a drag race podcast with you now, but, <laughs> but thank you so much for being on the show. Where can everybody find you on the internet space? Um, I am uh, at Joe Lee green giant on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, um, but without, the E in my first name because Twitter has a, a cap and I didn't feel like trying to figure out a better name. Um, but yeah, follow me any of, the, any of those places. Probably TikTok is the best one to follow me on because um, my Instagram lately has just been me reposting my own TikToks, um, which is cringe, but I accept it about myself. Listen, honestly, it's, it's really about cross-promotion these days. You literally have to just post everywhere that you can. Yeah. I also only do that because my sister yells at me to post on Instagram too. And I'm like, but Instagram doesn't like me as much. Like Instagram, the homophobes see half my shit. And then they just like, I get a lot more death threats on Instagram than I do anywhere else. So, you know, That's and I only get death threats. I only get death threats on uh, TikTok. But I, uh, that one time that I flippantly made a joke about Raja O'Hara and Raja having the same name. I wish the gays I wish the gays would learn how to take a joke like literally for the for the funniest sassiest people in the world no one knows how to take a joke (laughs) no not one (laughs) Saturday Morning Confidential is brought to you by Dreamer Productions and is a proud member of the Certain POV Podcast Network you can find us on Facebook at Saturday Morning Confidential on Instagram at SMC Pod and on Twitter at The SMC Podcast You can find all the shows that Certain POV has to offer at CertainPOV.com or also on Patreon at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of only $2 a month keeps constant programming coming in and supporting our new shows as we go throughout 2022. Now join us again next time for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.